officer down. 10 1, 10 1, 6 3 in Bell. Officer down, officer down. Shots fired at the police. Officer down. Male black, a blue Cubs jersey. He's shot at the police. 6 3 in Bell. Give me some units. 7 1 3. Stay off my air. Stay off my air. Everybody stay off the air. And an officer down. 6 3 in Bell. Start rolling. An emotional funeral service for Chicago police officer Ella French, who was shot and killed during a traffic stop. An overwhelming number of law enforcement turned out to honor this fallen officer. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land. This is your host, Severin Henderson, with another episode of Department 3C Presents a Podcast. Um, today, I spoke with Keith Thornton Jr. Um, he's a dispatcher with the city of Chicago, and he has an organization that he's here to talk about um i just we we already did the interview we were already done with the interview and it went really well but i just wanted to put a disclaimer at the beginning we're going to add where we're going to attempt to add some audio from the dispatch call and some of the clips from what happened to give you a better context and better understanding of the gravity of this particular podcast um, i'm really proud of it and the interview that I had. So please take the time to listen, um, comment, give us some feedback and let us know anything that you would like to hear, what we can do better, what we did terribly, um, just anything that you have to say. Please send all emails to www.department3c.com. That's the website. And there on the website, you will see our email address. You can send it to info at department3c.com. And we would love to hear from you. Like I said, we're trying to produce the best content that we can, surrounded by everything that's connected to fire in one way or another. Um, we've been hitting mental health really hard as of late because I feel that it's a huge and very important topic. So we go over some of those aspects in the podcast. Like I said, we talk about the call that he um, dispatched and like I said, you'll hear that in the audio and you'll hear all those explanations about it. And that's pretty much it. Just want to give you a disclaimer at the beginning. Um, it does have we I told him we had the E for expletive and he used it. So I'm with it. And with that being said, please enjoy the podcast. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land. This is your host, Severin Henderson, back again with another episode of Department 3C presents a podcast connected to fire. So today I have the absolute privilege to speak with Mr. Keith Thornton Jr. Um, Mr. Thornton is a dispatcher for the city of Chicago. Um, he has a movement that he's pushing, um, hashtag Heal Chicago, and he was the dispatcher on a call in August that um, two officers were shot while um, pulling over a car in Englewood. Um, one of the officers unfortunately passed away. Another one of the officers is still around, but he was there on the phone speaking with them, talking to um, companies, well, not companies, talking to officers on scene, telling them what to do, telling them how to go, telling them which way to be, everything. He, he did an outstanding, fantastic job. The city just reached out to him in droves and just were we all we're all so appreciative of your efforts and everything you did. But before we get into all of that, um, and you know, get into the story and everything, um, introduce yourself to us. Um, let us know about you, and let's 
kind of go from there. So how are you today, sir? I'm very well, and it's a pleasure to be here. This is uh, Keith Thornton, and uh, my dad's out there, too. He's a senior, so I am a junior. Okay, cool. Uh, equally great people, though. We're some, <laughs> we're some good people huh? from the west side of Chicago, and um, it's a lot about me, you know, but we just go right up into it, you know. Um, I'm just a good guy, just trying to do some good things mm-hmm. for all people, you know. I'm a black man, very proud to be a black man. I'm a gay man, very proud to be a gay man, mm-hmm. and I've always been into public safety and serving others. So mm-hmm. uh, my thing is just getting out there, no matter who you are, if you need help, we just try to come together and give you that help. Okay, that's that's outstanding. That's great. I love the message. I love, I love the story. Just, like, like I said, everything about all of what went into that night and what you're doing now. So before we get into that night, let's let's skip ahead a little bit and talk about what you're doing now. Let's talk about the whole Heal Chicago um, movement. You just had an event yesterday. Um, let me know about that, how we can get involved. Absolutely. Well, Hill Chicago, um, hashtag right in front of that. Um, you know, there's a lot going on within Chicago. You know, I've, I've once again, you know, just me and, and my history, just taking a step back. Um, I've, I've worked volunteering with the fire department in Chicago for many, many years, um, even prior to 2001, September 11th. So I was already exposed to different things of uh, just going on within my community firsthand from the medical calls, the, the gunshot victims, the stabbings and, and, and fires going on. And then going on from that, I worked on an ambulance for a, a multitude of years, responding to medical calls, trauma calls and things of that nature. So all of that has taught me a lot. And then I jumped into um, just instructing and uh, being an instructor over at a high school in the, the west side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, that taught me a lot with dealing with behavioral students. And then I jumped into uh, relocating completely to California and became a police officer with the Los Angeles Police Department. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, working South Central, gangs, narcotics, vice, you name it, I was out there and, and also training. So coming back to Chicago now, working in the emergency management as a dispatcher uh, police-wise, it was very, very um, – it's very different, you know, being up there, you know, looking behind uh, computer screens now because mm-hmm. I've never done that in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, never knew I could do it, actually, uh, because I've always been in the field. Right. And so um, that was a big culture shock for me. But when I got there, you know, one thing about me is always going to learn my job the appropriate way and try to do it to the best of my ability. And that's where I'm kind of at now and, and just seeing it from that lens now you know, dispatching the police department and the officers out there and uh, being able to do that with EMS as well, as well as the fire department and getting notifications and, and, and uh, seeing this day in and day out, every single shift of what's truly going on within Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, we need some serious healing. <laughs> and so that's where yeah. this all uh, came from. You know, uh, we need to heal Chicago. And so the way I do that is just the, the, the amount of support that has come my way. I take a, a very large group of people, um, who come from all shades of life. They're from Chicago. They're they're from different states. They're from the different counties out here. And we basically go into distressed neighborhoods and we uh, provide whatever we can, whatever resources that particular neighborhood uh, wants. So mm-hmm. we'll go out there, we'll canvas areas, we'll go to high crime areas for the most part. We will get out of our vehicles. We'll talk to gangbangers, drug dealers, because, you know, some of these guys just need some type of guidance and mentorship. Um, but what's needed on the West side, you know, such as this event yesterday, we went up and cleaned uh, from Cicero to Jackson and then Madison to, uh, I should say Laramie to Cicero, Jackson to Madison, mm-hmm. a huge circumference. We, we, we were out there early morning and we cleaned up the entire neighborhood, passed out pamphlets and brought some services to the elderly, the youth. And we door knocked on hundreds and hundreds of doors. Mm-hmm. And these people were so grateful to get information. And the main concern that we're saying is we don't have different things out here. You know, 
like four alleys, they didn't have garbage cans. Mm. There was no garbage cans in any of the alleys. Mm-hmm. So where you, so where are you even supposed to put the garbage if there's no garbage on, cans? On the ground, exactly. they had multiple yeah. uh, just debris everywhere. And mm-hmm. then some of these houses, it was like New York City, you know, uh, garbage bags all on the side oh, of yep. their houses and the yep. gangways. It's filthy, you know, and that's where rodents come. And, you know, those are the small problems that go into the bigger problems of, you know, drug sales now coming onto the block, gangs even worse because the, the, the area looks bad. Right. No one wants to invest in these type of neighborhoods. So we just went out there and did that. And, you know, to us it's simple, but it's not simple to these people. They, they really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to move out, you know, to the, the south side now and then we'll go north side. But they may have like a youth thing that they want us to do up there and we'll do it, you know. Uh, December is coming up, the the colder month, so we'll be dealing with homelessness. So Hill Chicago is, is it's for everyone, it's for every neighborhood, it's for every ethnicity, sexual orientation. Doesn't matter who you are. That's right. the point. Doesn't matter who you are. We're bringing people together, and we're just here to help you. And uh, hopefully, we get more and more people who jump on board to want to do that cause as well. That's outstanding. Um, so you said you came from. Well, a couple of questions came to my mind. So you're originally from the West Side, right? I am from the West Side. Okay. Yes, sir. And um, I was telling you kind of before we started talking, and that's why I was like, don't talk to me too much because I want to get all of this down. <laughs> um, one of our, she's a chief now, but when I first started, she um, was on the ambulance as a commander, and she was saying she remembered you from riding with um, the companies over there on the west side. Absolutely. Um, right there on, on, what's that, Cicero in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she remembered you from even riding in. And just kind of your whole demeanor shows and how you were able to deal with that one situation. Tell me, before we get there, again, that's because we're going to keep pushing it off and just hit it really hard. But tell me about being um, with LAPD. How'd that Go about um, what brought you back to Chicago? Tell you what, uh, actually, I was trying. I was wanted to stay in Chicago. Never wanted to move or go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, they actually gave me an academy start date with the CPD. So I was starting two weeks out. So mm-hmm. the moment I got my letter, this was like the biggest thing for me. You know, mm-hmm. I had been on a, the, the fire list forever. You know, there's too many people on there. So <laughs> that was my number one thing. I, that's all I want to do as a that, firefighter. That's the lottery. You know, yeah, it's a lottery, all right. Um, but. I said, well, I can get on the police department. So I signed up, got the academy date, I passed through everything. And then this is the same exact week they decide to get a new Chicago police superintendent, which was Jody Weiss at the time. Okay. Guy from the FBI. So he comes out this way. And the first day on the job, he makes this press conference and he says, we want more mature candidates. And so he bumped the age requirement up to 25. Oh, okay. Which was the only time they had ever done that. Yeah. And I was about 23. I said, absolutely not. Yeah. So yeah. I flew out to New York, got right back on the plane, flew right back out. I didn't like it. Um, I went out to L.A. And LA I could tell you didn't like it because oh. you was talking about the trash. There you go. <laughs> that's you what know? everybody talks yeah. about, the difference between Chicago and New York. New yeah. York is the trash. That's it. Now, I love FDNY. Yes, you know? yes, yes. I, I took their test as well, but it was even worse in Chicago. I, I, was, I scored like a 94, but I was like thousands out you know? yeah that's that's they, they get preference points to the the individuals who live there yeah so their 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 points were like 112 percent you know yeah. so yeah. that's a good thing they take care of their and city I, I, you know what i kind of think that is how it should go they you take know? care of their yep. city and this is what should be happening in chicago but that's a different topic that is a different topic but we're going <laughs> to hit that topic because i'm from out of town um myself and i'm not i'm not um native to chicago but now that i'm here i love it yeah and I'm saying, yeah, they should take care of their own. But sometimes you find some people from out of state 
out of country even to come through and care for your city just as much as the residents yeah. do. And that's wonderful. You should do that, but you number one, take care of your people. Yes, that's what I say. You should take care um, of your people. It's just like first. the police department, the fire department. I believe that you should not be uh, recruiting individuals outside of Chicago to uh, come in and take over a department they know nothing about. Police, fire, whatever. It takes it's a it's a huge learning curve. Like even for myself, speaking I would have loved to stay where I grew up and became a firefighter there. They just didn't give a test there. I had to go somewhere else. I had to do something else. But with that being said, like back home, I know the schools better. I know the neighborhoods better. Um, like you said, being a black man, knowing where to go, knowing how to operate, what hoods or which and everything else. You, that's just something you can't be taught. Right. And Something that I learned from being here is just a little bit different. So exactly. So back to my question. Yeah, uh, yep, yep. I'm sorry. <laughs> or I mean, your question, I should say. <laughs> my answer when I, I I did arrive in LA, LA, they they did like an expedited process, which was also wonderful. That okay. We would love to have that here in Chicago. Um, well, I knocked that out in four months, and I got hired right away. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was the only. Actually, it was three blacks in the class of '88. Uh, okay. Only three of us, two guys, one girl, and the girl was fantastic. She was, you know, I'm like, she's going to be great. Mm -hmm. um, but we took Christmas break. This was 2012 in December. We, She was great. And uh, once we went on our little break for like three days and be back Monday, mm -hmm. she didn't come back. Oh. And that was all because um, I called her. I said, hey, wh what the heck? Where mm -hmm. are you at? She said, I, I, I didn't do it. You know, I spoke to my family. I sat down at the table. And they were asking these questions, you know, why do you want to do this? And, you know, the whole police talk and whatnot. And, and she had decided she didn't want to do it. So she went back to her, her other job. And that's another problem with our within our community. You know, here's here's this girl who even I, you know, I looked up to her because there weren't a lot of us there, mm -hmm. you know. And I knew she'd be great, you mm -hmm. know. But, you know, I wished her well, you know. But wanted up the other guy. He, he wasn't too good. Um, he got booted out. So I was the only one now in mm -hmm. the class of, what, 86 now. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted up being class president. And I, I was not from L.A. I knew nothing about L.A. Mm -hmm. But point is, wound up graduating from um, the class that was really big. Um, and I was number one candidate to go wherever I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. You know, and they have a series of stations out there. So people thought, especially being a Chicago guy, you know, um, hey, you're going to go to Hollywood or you want to go no, literally. There's, glam yeah, up. you know, you yeah. want to go to Beverly Hills or this or that, you know, yeah. West Valley. And I said, absolutely not. So what I did every single day I was out of the academy, it was six months. I drove that entire city to every single district, and I went into the stations. I got out of my car. Same thing I do now. Mm -hmm. Same exact thing I do now in Chicago, walking around. I'm not afraid of people, you know? Yeah. People are people. You talk to them. But long story short, um, I went to South Central, fell in love with it. The mm -hmm. people out there who live out there, blacks, Latinos, um, they were wonderful people. And so that's why I landed, and um, I absolutely loved it. So LAPD is a great department, very structured, very organized. Um, they got their stuff together, and we could learn a thing or two here. Okay. Um, the where where is our superintendent from now? He's from Texas, Texas. area, right? Okay. Uh, and I, I kind of vaguely remember him bringing somebody in from somewhere else. I can't exactly remember. I should now. I need a fact checker. Oh, I talked about that on my last episode. I need a fact checker. Somebody <laughs> to just sit here and look up stuff on the internet for me while I talk. But um. <laughs> thing about it is like you said sometimes it's very difficult to bring somebody in from somewhere else but it sounds like you adapted to that situation fantastically and but again what what brought you back to um chicago from yeah, there a little bit you know 
my family, number one. The traffic, number two, is absolutely <laughs> horrible out there. And then, you know, I had horses and, you know, property out there. And just every other week, wildland fires were breaking out. I never knew this about California. And you'd have to evacuate your house. Mm-hmm. And that includes your dogs, your horses, and everyone else. And mm-hmm. it's like, holy crap, you know, you're doing this every other week because it's money. Yeah. Um, and then... You know, me responding, I'm working South Century, you know, I'm jumping out, running, chasing. That's just what I do, you know. Mm-hmm. And long story short, um, you know, earthquake hits and Keith's like, what the, you know, yeah. what in the world? And then they're telling me, hey, go and do this. I said, I don't know what to do in this situation. We don't have this in Chicago. <laughs> we don't have earthquakes. <laughs> yeah. We, but uh, we got some snow that hit you. But yeah. <laughs> but you know what wind. really brought me back aside from my family, you know, on the news, this is when Rahm Emanuel was in office and, um, the former police chiefs and all of them, I, I noticed the spike in crime, you know, was, was going up more and more and more, even before this current mayor, you mm-hmm. know, this is just ballistic now. It's just way out of control. Mm-hmm. But it was starting to go up with Rom, and all people would say is, because they knew me in Chicago, Chi-Town, man, what's going on with your city? What's this? What's that? Everywhere I'd go. And that would really hurt me, yeah. you know, because yeah. I know Chicago as to what it is. And I said, no, it's not like that, you know. Um, but eventually I said, you know what, I'm needed back there. Um, and so I came back, and, and this was random. I, I put my application in for 911 dispatcher years and years prior, mm-hmm. years and years prior. And so out there, I'm like, there's no jobs out here I can apply for. You know, the, the police department will take too long, whatever. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, the moment I went to church, I kid you not, I went to church and I said a prayer like, God, I want to be back with my family. My grandmother had just passed away. Mm-hmm. And long story short, that Thursday, I got an email and it said, are you still interested? City of Chicago, police communications operator too. And I said, what the? Yeah. I didn't apply for this. I wound up calling the lady and she said, you're, you you would have to fly out here do an interview. So I did all of that. Uh, that was very very next week. Flew back to California, and that next week they said, "Okay, you're starting uh, uh, April 2018." And I was just like, "Are you kidding me?" And they told me your application's been on file for years. So you know, I'm not I'm not the most religious guy, but I believe in faith, hope, and love. And man, the the man upstairs he does things a very specific way. Hit you. And that's why, you know, people say, well, what are you going to do next? You know, there's no answer to that. Whatever he allows me to do and wherever this takes me is where I'm going to go. But I do pray to him wherever you take me. Allow me to continue to be, you know, um, something of of positivity to all people. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, you said something in that. You said you saw the crime, everything else in Chicago is not that. What is Chicago to you? What is it that's not represented by the media? You know, yesterday, I'll give a prime example, and, and actually the, the last couple of weeks, um, I take my staff out to these scenes to canvas the area, and I'm not going to lie, it's scary as hell. You know, you're walking into gang territory, you know, and the next block is another gang, you know. Um, I'm coming over there in my private vehicle, and then I'm getting out with, you know, um, just random people. They don't know who I am, and I make it known to them. I say, hey, what's up, bro? You know, and I just speak. Like you said earlier about the street smarts. You have to know. You read them. And I'm pretty sure several were strapped Mm -hmm. and they were carrying. Mm -hmm. But I said, hey, I pulled out my pamphlets. I said, hey, this is your block. And he says, yeah, man, what's up? I said, these are the people you care about, right? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm Keith. I'm from over here. I shook the guy's hand. And all his guys are kind of surrounding him now looking at me. Mm-hmm. And I passed out my flyers. I said, I'm coming over here um, on, on the 21st of November, and we're going to be doing different things over here for your elderly people, for your youth, for getting them involved. We're doing this, and we're going to clean up your neighborhood and your block. 
and I tell them your block because I it like is they're they're, they're from yeah. their thing, you know. Yeah. And here's the thing: you're not going to take all crime away, but mm. you can you can help make it better. And and and, and crime's never going to go away. But one thing I learned as a police officer is, and, and this is Los Angeles and South Central, you you have to respect people. I don't have to like what's going on with a person, but I have to respect them. That's right, absolutely. earned. Yep. That's earned. Yep. And I learned that by arresting people. You know, I, I was, uh, it's not a lot of blacks on the department out in, uh, uh, what is it, California, not an LAPD, down. It's a lot of Latinos and a lot of uh, uh, white. And so, number one, that was another problem, you know. But me and my partner, he was Mexican, and then I had another partner who was black. And so we worked one of the most dangerous beats of South Central, prostitutes, Butt naked, literally. And for years and years and years, it's going on. Shootings, when I say shootings per night, they shoot six people in a car dead right at the stop sign. Yeah. They were burning bodies. They, they uh, sexually molest a female, pull her out of a vehicle, kind of like what they do here with carjackings and mm-hmm. just jump into your car. Mm-hmm. Out there was a problem where they will... Uh, stop you in the middle of traffic at a red light, pull out the female from her vehicle or push her over, throw her on the back, sexually rape her, gang rape her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'd find their bodies burning. We thought they were Christmas trees because they burned things like that out there. Mm-hmm. But they don't. No, they, they wrapped her up in a rug. And this was several times, you mm-hmm. know, wrap her up in a rug, put a bullet through her head, um, tie her up, throw gasoline on her, set her on fire. And so that was a huge problem. So when I was working, I said, absolutely not. You know, you got to bring something more than what you were trained in the academy. You right. know, yep. you got to bring something more. And, and, and it's, it's your own swag, you know, and everyone has it. You know, some people don't have it. But I get out there and I clear it. And um, we, I, like I said, I, I don't like gangs. Everything else I can work with. I wasn't out there just arresting people. Even domestic situations. Hey, brother, take a walk. Yeah. You know, you got you to come down to their level and talk to them, you know. And sometimes in the verbs uh, involve saying curse words, you know. Oh, because yeah. that's, they respect you more because you're talking to them. Because you're talking their language. But yeah. long story short, what I'm trying to say is I've arrested many of these guys who are way bigger than me. I'm 5'5". I'm five, five. And back then I was even thinner when I was out. Hooking and booking, I was 173 pounds, 5'5". Five, five. I was nothing mm-hmm. compared to these huge guys standing over me. And it took me one time as I was placing this guy's hands way over his head, and he was six foot something. <laughs> and he uh, he elbowed me, knocked me straight the hell out. Oh, wow. Um, and I said, never again would yeah. that happen. Yeah. And so I, I did what I had to do, learned tactics very well. And when I would catch these guys and, and arrest them, uh, back at the station, they start crying. They were all so big and macho on the, on the streets. But in the station, these big husky guys were crying. And I said, listen, I don't dislike you. I dislike what you're doing. And look how you're talking to me now. You're, you're so smart. You're this, you're that. It was kind of like I was a counselor or a big brother. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, you can be so much more. I don't care if you have a history right now and a rap sheet and this and that. You can go out there and do whatever you want to do. So I'd have this whole big counseling thing. Meanwhile, my, my, my other partners would be cool about it. But anyone else that if my partner was off and they had to work with me, they would hate it. Because they're like, what the hell is this guy back there doing just talking to him? Like, let's just go take him in here. Yeah, they, and, and, they don't and, understand that. And that's the problem yeah but let me tell you something it's just like here the guys are right back out on the street the next day but let me tell you something soon as i hit that block and i say i get around my pa system i said i'm here today clear it out those gang members and leaders they would literally if you let your windows down they would be saying thornton's here let's clear it out no you uh uh-uh, nope not today yeah yeah and I'd never had another issue on my beat while I was ever there, ever. I was always a responding officer backing up other beats. Mm-hmm. I never had issues, mm-hmm. you know. And so this is the last thing I'll cover with this is 
you know, um, several officers mainly were white and, you know, they called backup and when, you know, we called backup, we're rolling. Mm -hmm. Someone's fighting with our officers. Someone's doing something. So we rolled out and we're coming from the station coming in hot. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we had dozens and dozens of squad cars flying in and, you know, I run over there, there's this huge crowd of blacks and Latinos. They're all going crazy and cursing. And then you got all of the officers with their batons out and you got supervisors there, supervisors who are just standing back and allowing this. So I said, well, what the heck's going on? Who's being beat or, you know, what, where's the officer in distress? Yeah. There was not one. No. You know? And I, and I came and I said, what's going on? The supervisor was saying nothing. So I go to the guys, I say, Hey, what's up? Yeah. They're, they're not turning their music down. We came here and this and that. And then this guy over here, I say, wait, 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 stand back. So I looked at this one guy who was the most amped up of the crowd. And when I say there was a crowd, two, 300 people were out there. Oh, wow. Oh, that's a crowd. Yeah, yeah, in yeah, South yeah. Central. Yeah. And yeah. I said, hey, come over here. You know, and he's like, yeah, what's I said, hey, shut the hell up. And he said, what? No, no, they're doing this. And I said, calm down. You're not arrested right now. You're not detained right now. They're coming for a music call. Mm-hmm. Just tell your people to turn the crap down. Let these guys get the hell up out of here. And, you know, resume with your day. Yep. I said, you're going to be fine. So he's like, oh, look. I said, dude, shut up. You know, and I said yeah. what I had to say. We got the E if you need to say it. Okay, yeah, you know. <laughs> I, I said, shut the fuck up. Yeah. You yeah. know, and he said, all right, all right, man. I said, listen, I, I understand what you're going through. I said, look at me. You know, yeah. I said, I just wear this uniform. I wear this uniform at that time, I said, for three years. But I said, I've been wearing the black, the black uniform My for, for life. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? So that guy turned around in front of every, and once again, this is not about white or black or this or that, but at the same time, it is. It's very important to acknowledge that fact. But this guy turned around to the whole group of 200, 300 people, gangbangers involved, all of these people out of control, and said, hey, get the fuck in there. We good, we good, blah, blah, blah. He cleared that whole intersection down in a matter of 15 to 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. Everyone dispersed. Mm-hmm. And every last, well, I won't say every last, because there were some great officers out there who, who are white, and they, they loved it. Mm-hmm. But there are a, a huge amount of them who would look at me and despise yeah. because of jealousy yeah. or envy or whatever it wound up being. And it's not about that. You know, if they're able to successfully come into a scene where I was at and they were able to do something better, I'd step back and allow them to do it. You know, mm-hmm. that's the brotherhood and that's how the sisterhood should be. Mm-hmm. But as you know, fire department and police department, there's some big race issues going on mm-hmm. and we have to uh, uh, we have to address those. But point is, going back to yesterday and the other previous days, I get out and I talk to people and you respect them. And next thing you know, these guys were passing out the damn flyers for me, <laughs> yep. you know, for the first two weeks. So yesterday he comes up to me. All right. Hey, Thornton, you know, this guy, I'm not going to say his name, but he's like, hey, man. He, he runs it over there mm-hmm. right in the, he runs it and he said yeah they told me you came over here with some, I passed all the flyers out yeah I'm looking for a job it's nice okay well, give me your number I said your number ain't gonna be changing now I know y'all how y'all do operations around here <laughs> you know he said no man I, I want this and I'm not gonna lie I, I've been locked up for this but that, that was DUI and that was way back I said then that's good mm-hmm. you know there's things to help you programs that can expunge different things and get you right you know but I said I'm not putting my name out there until I know you're right. Yeah. So you're going to have to do this. We can go sit down and I will help you, you know. But point is, these are the people who live in these areas. And some of them have gotten into trouble. But until people go out there and understand them and just give them a little respect, that's the only way we're going to make a difference here, yeah. you know. And so, you know, that's that. Well, I feel like some of our officers, um, not just here, just all over, because that's another thing I did is um, go to police academy myself. And some officers really get that. Some people really get that by how they're raised, and other people are just having a 
beat up conversation in their own in their heads and in their minds. You're gonna do what I say. You're gonna do this because I said it. Look at this badge, everything like that, and that doesn't work. Um, we not to this not to this big crowds of people beating people up or anything, but we um get these calls. Well, we used to. I haven't had one in a while, but back in my old department, um, fire hydrant open. People crack the hydrant, put the tire there, put the board there, sprinkler for the kids, everybody out having fun. It's my job to come turn the fire the fire hydrant off. But I don't just walk up like, hey, guess what's about to happen? Psh, F you guys and get on the truck and run off. No, I go talk to them. Hey, you know, this is not what's up. It, if, if the water pressure goes down, we won't be able to put somebody's house out, this, this, that, and the other. Y'all got five minutes you know, do your thing, mm-hmm. last few splashes. They appreciate you so much more yeah. for just that little bit of time and yeah. letting them do things, letting them hang out. They didn't offer me plates of food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, put your hand in the cooler, get a juice box, whatever. So, like you said, it's about respect. And yes. all too often, that's what doesn't happen with what you see on the news, what you see happen with different officers and everything. And one thing you brought up there, it's about respect that you gave them, but it's also about the the, the knowledge that you provided to them of, of why you're turning off the Yeah, hydrant. absolutely. And absolutely. so the next time they say, man, no, they, they, no they, they're only doing that because maybe one guy will be riled up, you know, oh, da, 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 da. And this person say, no, they have to do that, you know, because they don't have pressure or whatever, you mm-hmm. know. So it's a good thing. So let me ask you another thing. My podcast um, surrounds a lot is um, mental mental health issues and everything that goes on with that. So, just speaking about your police experience, wanting um, trying to get on the fire department and your dispatching experience, how do you stay in a good space? yourself mentally where you're able to perform these tasks like when you were on the police department now that you're a dispatcher things like that well i could tell you right now i'm very open with saying i have two things i have um i'm diagnosed with ptsd and um at one point i had severe depression you know i was going through a very rough time um after the passing of my grandmother and just personal things going on and the funny thing is none of what i have and what i've gone through ever even came from my job you Mm -hmm. think it did but it didn't Mm -hmm. you know the point i'm bringing that up to is number one you know i want people to know that it's normal you know they're they're, you got to drop this stigma that we don't go through things you know we're human beings and that's that number two um we're, we're personal people. That, that's all we are, you know, and the way that you get through those things is you have to reach out and you have to have a support system. And if you don't have a support system, you got to go and find one, you know. And, you know, some people say, well, you shouldn't surround yourself around firefighters if you're firemen. You shouldn't surround yourself around policemen if you're policemen or paramedics, you know, all of that. But you surround yourself around whoever is going to help you, you know, whether that's someone you work with, a friend, family member, spouse, whatever. Uh, just the other day, you know, I had to dispatch units to do a procession for an officer here in Chicago who was found with a, a gunshot wound to his head. Another mm. suicide. Yeah. This is happening all too often. Yeah. You know, so the way I uh, take care of myself is I like to travel. Um, every day out of the house, excuse me, out of work for 10 o'clock at night, I don't just go straight home. I can't go home because I, I hate the things that I have to go through throughout the day mm-hmm. and my shift, which is the busiest shift, the afternoons to evening, you know, I have to take a car ride or I go here. Sometimes I go out with my friends, you know, I have to bring it down from that 100 level. decompress. Yeah, you yeah. have to, you know, but um, 
you know, one thing that has really saved me and helped me was actually getting out there and volunteering as a fireman and, and, and working on an ambulance and working as a police officer because they did have more uh, services provided for mental health. And we do debriefings and we do roll calls and mm-hmm. speak about it. We go back to scenes and look over uh, houses and or scenes uh, the next day and say, hey, what could we have done better? Mm-hmm. And so being there with a group of people um, and, and talking about these different things and um, no one judging you was a wonderful thing and so I learned how to do that within my personal life on the flip side as a dispatcher we're not recognized as first responders you know we don't have who (laughs) I mean seriously by who who doesn't recognize you as first I do me personally I know I don't count for the world right well we have to change that and the reason I have to change it's not just for the title you know no, our, our, our shifts are horrible. Yeah, um, that would allow us more flexibility. Kind of like you know, the fire department is able to do that because of that. You know, they can work. You have so many departments do different things. Right. You know, some departments work forty eight on and this off. Yep, you guys work twenty four on this off. Yep. Some people work twelve hours on this off. But you have the flexibility. We don't have that. We're working six days a week. You know, eight hours. We're mandated all the time. Having to stay twelve hours. If you even say you're sick or this or that, you're ridden up. Whatever. They can do it because we're clerical workers and we're just administrative peeps to them. Um, when all hell broke loose, then we're first responders. From the mayor, will say that on news, and she appreciates us. Uh, we're not appreciated. Um, other, okay, so uh, other, I'm, I'm sorry. I, w- yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't trying to be patronizing or anything, and I wasn't trying to just. Oh, I call it like it is. I'm, I'm just. I call it like it is. I, that's why I was saying who, but now I know who. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and going back to mental health, we're not afforded the same things that other first responders are given. You know, uh, to this day, when when Ella's uh, situation happened, where she was murdered. Um, and those officers who were with her, you know, whether they were the ones doing CPR on her or whether they weren't with her at all and they were with her partner, Carlos, or whether they were just on the scene there, I still have many of them as friends now. Since August, they are not on duty as of now. They're still getting uh, mental health services. They're, they're flying them out to different states to do retreats. And guess what? It's paid. Well, that's... It's paid. Yeah, yeah that's good. Me? Not, not even a day work. off. Yeah. The next day I came back to work. The day after that I came back to work. And over a course of two days, I had five additional 10-1 calls. Officer shot, officer hit by a car, being dragged by a car, another one. It was horrible. You know, and so Ella's thing, I, I got home at 4, 4.30 in the morning that day. I come right back to work and start one thirty p.m. And then I have several more 10-1s. I can't process the situation I just had last night, you know, with an officer dying under my watch and my command. So how do you think uh, an average person can take that? You know, you know, we have people who freeze up looking when someone says 10-1, we have people who freeze up right there and they're not even to process it because number one, we don't do debriefings. You know, and when something like this catastrophically happens, we don't do deep briefings. We don't talk and say, hey, how are you feeling? Number one, um, what 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 do we do good here? What do we do? You know, m- maybe wrong and maybe we can re- correct that. Right. You know, there's benefit out of all of that. But we don't have mental health services and it has to, to change. And the way we change that is you hit, hit up your alderman, you hit up your mayor um, and then you also hit up your state reps and, and, and whatnot, because it's just not here in Chicago. It's the suburban um, dispatchers, the, the county dispatchers and, and throughout this country. We deserve to be first responders on paper and it's very important to us particularly for mental health and um we're the very first of first responders you know if since we're clerical workers no you're very first because y'all getting the call before it even happens well my thing is you know they say well you can't walk out and you can't strike or this that well bullshit if we're just clerical workers why can't we i was about to say why can't you You know (laughs) because honestly because we're first responders when they need it to their benefit 
Okay. That's their hidden agenda. Like you said, that's something we, we got to talk about. We got to fix. But because, right, that's the thing. You can't strike. You can't, you can't walk out. Let me, let me tell you something. On, if, if, if several people didn't show up to work, all you guys are going to get when you call 911 is just a dial tone. And it happens, you know, days of uh, New Year's Eve and, and Fourth of July, yeah. Halloween. Those are days that just pop, you know. And, and we're fully staffed, and we have, uh, you know, two, three hundred calls that we can't answer because it's just overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they need to be very careful of, of 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 how they're doing things because people are getting burned out, big time. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I heard a while ago um because we have some people that came over from dispatch they somebody told me that they make that job that difficult on purpose because they want to burn out they want people to leave and they want like to get fresh people in is that the case or no at this point i don't know what the case is you know they they i just don't know what the case is because they say you know if you get somebody to leave and then you get somebody fresh in it just kind of recycles itself. Yeah, and they don't, you know, the, the newer people won't stand up and say, you know, anything as to what I'm even saying. You know, they won't do anything, so they just go with the flow, and there's no one that's going against them to say, hey, this is wrong. But in addition to that, with any job, any job, you need somebody around that knows what's going on, knows what to do, knows how to, that pretty much has the keys to the back door that don't nobody else had the keys to. Right. You need somebody else around to know how to how to fix things. You need someone around who has experience and someone who's wise. So, since we're on the subject, let's can we talk about that call? Is that that all right with you? Yeah, we can go for it. Okay. So, um, August. You have a call, you have a 10-1 situation. Just kind of break down what happened and what, what you went through. Well, uh, this was probably about 9.08 p.m. This was uh, 2109 hours, right around that time. And um, I was actually on the radio. I was actually laughing with my partner. You know, we were getting ready to go out. Mm-hmm. and uh, get Getting off at 10, right? Getting off at 10, get ready to go out. That's the day we go out for drinks and get something to eat. So we had a great day. I'm, I'm on this Inglewood frequency, which I'm never on, by the way. Mm-hmm. As, as I stated, I'm a Westsider. So this is just how God comes into, you know, the equation here. Mm-hmm. I bounce around. I'm a relief dispatcher, so I don't have a home zone. So every single day I bounce around to a different area. And at the time I was a training officer, so I, I move around to different zones throughout the entire city. North side one day, south side, you know, west side even downtown. So that's number one. The point is they never put me on this, this zone six Inglewood. And at my job, uh, my partner, who's also African-American female, she's the only other person aside from me who was a, a, was a sworn officer, a police officer, and took this job right when I got it. We were in the same class. So with that being stated, we were the only two dispatchers who, who are previous police officers. And on that day, we specifically got put together. Me and her had really never worked together. Mm-hmm. Um, and we never, well, I never worked at Zone. So we were put together that day for whatever reason. I believe it's God. So next thing you know, 908 pops up. And I'm talking to, I believe, a sergeant, a tactical sergeant on the air. And he's like, hey, I'm over here at the shots fired call. Code it out. I don't see it. I think it's fireworks, something like that. Mm-hmm. So as I'm speaking back to him, I hear something in my ear. And um, it's like a scratchy type of noise. And it's like, okay, I know someone's out there running. And so um, I immediately say, hey, who's out there running? Well, the sergeant and the tactical officers, they didn't necessarily hear me. And, and they continued talking. And then I heard that noise again. So I said, who's out there running? You know, someone's running. And next thing you know, I, I hear bail 
and I thought I was six one. So I said, okay, let give me some units over at six one and bail, six one and bail. So I, I started units going that way. Then within a matter of seconds, they said six three and bail. He's screaming on the radio now. So you know he's giving a description of this guy running away, whatever. And I said, okay, what you got? You know, I still have units going over there though. Clear the frequency. I have people going. I'm looking at the map, and the the, the tactical officers I was actually talking to, they were fucked. I'm about to say a word there, but you can't. They like I said it's, it's, it's free, it's open. They, they were fucking rolling, and and that's one thing I love about officers. You know, when when our guys need help, even for a basic foot pursuit, they roll out, mm-hmm. and I love it. You know, mm-hmm. and just me and and my partner that day, we got it. We get it because that was us. You know, we were in the field and we were like that. Especially me, man. I, I loved every second of it. So when. These guys um, came back on the radio when he came back up and he said, officer down, dude, my heart, my heart just dropped, yeah, like dropped. And so now in my head, you, you got a mixture of emotions, you know, um, you're angry, you're upset, you're pissed, you're sad. Um, there's this feeling that I don't even have a word for, but it's like, you don't know what's going on. You don't, it's unknown. It's an unknown feeling where you're like, okay, is he down? Did he get hit? Did he get shot? Is he unconscious? Mm -hmm. And immediately, what did I just say? I said, he, 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 did he, did he, did he. And then when he says two officers down now, you know, and I'm broadcasting this all the way. Even though these feelings are rolling through my head, immediately I'm pushing that damn 10-1 button, and I'm saying, get me units here now. And I went into this mode of, like, incident commander. You know, I was no longer like a dispatcher. You know, a dispatcher is really known to be a parrot, and you know this even from the fire department. You guys come up, it's very structured. Engine 72 to Maine, excuse me, Engine 72 Inglewood. We just repeat. Look at that. Do you even know what side they yeah. are? I'm with that. Yeah. You, you know, we'll <laughs> yeah, just come yeah, back. Yeah. 72, go. We we just go back and forth with you guys. Right. And so in this situation, it's absolutely not. I'm not waiting for, you know, a sergeant or supervisor or a watch commander to come out of the station because that's where there are or, or far further distance to establish what needs to be established. Like right now, mm-hmm. there are two officers down. So when I'm looking at my map, I see these two tack cars pulling up. They're coming once from this end, the others from this end, west and east. And so I knew, I already know my brothers out there, my sisters. They're about to do what they got to do, throw the officers inside of the car, do what they got to do, and get them to the hospital. Yeah. But he gave me a description of this guy running southbound. So I said, bullshit, we're about to get this fucking guy. Mm-hmm. So I said, now, when I called that 10-1, you know, instead of two cars coming now, I had hundreds coming from all across. If you look at my screen, it's like a, a freaking video game of Tetris. Yeah. They're rolling. Yeah. So I'm like, why have them go to the scene where the officers are at? How about we set up a perimeter right away and catch this fucking idiot? And yeah. there was two of them. Yeah. So that's what they did. I set up the perimeter. They made a quick box, and within a matter of one minute and, like, 20 seconds, they came up and said, squad, slow it down. We got two in custody. I mean, that was like, it was like getting one of those dreams that you, that, you know, when, when there's, like, a dead person in your family, you miss them, and then they come back to your dream, and it's just so happy. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was like, oh, my God, we just caught these guys. Then they said weapons recover, and that was cool. But then I jumped right back into it. Okay, let's set this perimeter up. Let's get them to the hospital. You know, my partner's doing all of her notifications. Everyone's coming together on the operations floor, and they're helping us. You know, but I was just in a mode where I had to get them to the hospital. And then finally, the question came to me. Um, well, they said hospital, and I said, well, UFC. I just assumed they were going to UFC. Mm-hmm. And then one officer comes up and says, we're taking one to Holy Cross. And I said, wait a second. 
and I love to bring my history into it. And that, that's why I'm so proud, you know, to be a Chicagoan because I'll tell you why in a second. But I said, Holy Cross is not a trauma center. Yeah, exactly. And you know where I learned that they from? They just think it, um, Benji. Well, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Go ahead. From, from where? I'm sorry. Riding on an ambulance with CFD back okay. in the day. Yeah. You know, um, many, many paramedics I would roll with, you know, uh, Robin Alvarez, you know, she was. That's who mentioned you. That's that's I wasn't even going to mention her name, but that's who that's who told me about you in the first place. Man, that lady. First of all, my work ethic comes from her. She is she's a, a machine. She is something. I mean, else. from one call to the next. Yes, we're taking patients off the the gurney, and they okay. You guys are doing it. Her partner's getting that sheet ready. She's already available. Out the door. Loved it. Yeah. Taught me so much. Like I said, that's who told me. Yeah. That, that's who. She just retired recently and no, I really no, miss no. her. No, no, no. She's still around. Really? Yeah, she's still around. Oh, man. She's um she's a chief now. So That's beautiful. Um, so anyways, I learned from her and many others, you know, um, but point is, she would always allow me to do the computer in the back mm-hmm. or where we're going in the front of the ambulance. So, you know, we're going to this hospital or this. And those things taught me. I was a 10-year-old kid, 11-year-old. Mm-hmm. And she, once again, going back to that black community, when you get out there and you, that's what I said when you said about the fire hydrants, and you said, hey, here's a little knowledge right here. Mm-hmm. We want that. Mm-hmm. And those are things we remember, mm-hmm. you know. And so I remembered that, and I said, no, the trauma center is UFC. Yeah. So they took the guy to UFC, and it was great because I'm telling you, they would pull up to Holy Cross, gun, three gunshot wounds to the guy's head, his eyes gone, and somewhere else in his body. He would have probably been dead. Yep. You know, so that was that, and we did that. And then next thing you know, they came on the air and said, hey, uh, what's the condition of the female officer? You know, well, they got the guy in the hospital, so that was already traumatic for me because he shot in the head. Yeah. But he was talking. Yeah. When they said it was a female, number one, that just did something to me completely. Yeah. A yeah. female officer? Wow. And then they said shot between the eyes, between the eyebrow. I couldn't recall what it's. My heart dropped. I, my eyes, everything I was holding in, trying to be strong to talk on this radio, I was a complete bitch at this moment. I started crying like you wouldn't believe it. My partner, I look over to her, who she was a lieutenant. Mm-hmm. She's bawling, crying. She's shaking, you know, and we had supervisors standing behind us, a watch manager, you know, and they, they were saying, hey, do you guys want to switch out and we put someone else over here? Hell no. No, we're here. Hell we're no. Here. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. they were good help, though. You know, but point is, we did what we did, and 10 o'clock finally now comes. And, you know, all of this is kind of simmering down now, and my relief comes behind me, and they're tapping me on the shoulder, and I look at them, and I have this aggressive look on my face. Now, I was the angry black man at this moment, not going to lie. And I said, yes. And they said, oh, you're here for relief. I said, I'm not leaving. Mm-hmm. I'm not leaving until the procession is done, and I'm escorting my officer, you know, to Lexington Street. Mm-hmm. And so they moved me over to Citywide, and I, I, I ran the show all the way up until, you know, whenever that happened, 3.30 in the morning, I believe. And that was the closure I needed. Right. And everyone's saying, well, you should go home. Don't tell me what I have to do. I know how to take care of myself, but I needed that closure. And um, when I left there at 3.30, I had to drive to Sixth Green Bell, and everything was cleared up at that moment when I was off. Everything. Because that's, what, that's a, a question I was going to ask you. Um Two questions, actually. The way you had the officers not go to the scene, because, I mean, the scene is pretty much done, but have them form that perimeter, that's yeah. not something they usually teach, is it? That's, was that, like, just put, a put it this way. Thing? Put it this way. I was written up seven times, and I, once again, I don't care about saying this. I was written up 
by my job doing seven different things wrong on that call. Okay. One of them was telling the officer uh, medical procedure to take that damn vest off and do CPR. Yeah. Um, we're not supposed to give medical advice. Another thing, I set up a perimeter. That's supposed to be from a sergeant or whomever else out there that tells me to do so. Uh-huh. Um, another thing, I think I said damn on the radio when I said take that damn vest off. Another thing was, you know, I said, we got them coming, baby. I said, baby, and that's inappropriate. Heard, you know yeah. what? Fuck you. <laughs> I'll do it all over again. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Yeah. And and that tells you right there how management throughout this city looks at our first responders. Yes, there's structure, there's order, there's organization, but we have two people who are dying. Mm-hmm. Two people who are dying. This is like a war zone. And you're you're worried about me saying baby or me saying take that vest off and at least try to do something? Mm-hmm. That's bull crap. Yeah. And so there there has to be, uh, I mean, I don't even know the answer. We need a complete revamping of this entire city from top to, like, mid-level. The people at the bottom are fine. And you need to take some of those people from the bottom and have them lead the departments. And it's just not police, fire, or just the paramedic side or the dispatch side. We need people to lead streets and streets sands. And sands. We need people to water. lead, you know, water department it, yep. everywhere. Everything. Yeah, I, I we 1, get thousand percent agree. We with get you. it because, it, 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 like you said, all too often the man in the high castle can't listen, can't even hear. Peasant down on the street, and sometimes those peasants on the street will help you out a whole lot better than you yeah. can even imagine yeah. yourself. I mean, just simple things like, hey, maybe you should buy these gloves because the yeah. other ones cost a little bit more, save a few pennies in your pocket. That's one thing I don't know if it ever went anywhere, but when I remember when Ron first came, he had a portal on the city website to at least put suggestions down. Like I said, I don't know if they ever got read, but at least. Make make me feel like you listening to what I have to say. Yeah. Um. So that was the first question. Um. And you answered it way better than I even wanted to ask you. So I appreciate that. <laughs> Second question is: So you guys, I know we have cameras everywhere, but it's not quite the same as being there. Like, and listen, let me stop you there. Okay. We have mm-hmm. pod cameras throughout this entire city. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you now, something. what's a pod camera? A pod camera is basically those. If you if you're driving, look up at some of these street poles. Some of them have uh, the blue lights. Light. The blue lights. Yeah. And basically, soon as a hot job pops out, even fires, you know, we can put in the the event number of mm-hmm. whatever incident it is, mm-hmm. and it pops up on our big screen. We have a, a ton of big screens, huge movie screens, right, where, right. right in front of us. Yep. And so. The fire department does this because they're on the other side of the floor. So I'm, you know, look, I'm a fire bug. So I pay attention more. I know their policies more than I know my own. But I said, what they got going on? I'd be looking up all types of stuff. Yeah, creep you know? over there and see. Yeah, when yeah. I'm bored, they put me on these slow zones. But anyways, they be having their stuff up. And, you know, before you guys even get there, they see if it's smoke showing already. So right. they immediately, think about this. Mm-hmm. They dispatch 76 out, 68, truck 35, tower 14 of the battalion chief going to a, a fire. Yeah. And the moment they're dispatching you out, we pull up the cameras now. And guess what? You see people hanging from windows now on the second floor. Immediately, have you noticed? They'll say immediately, as you, if you're getting your bunker gear and you guys are pushing out the station, and then they say, still in box alarm, 1737, or from the orders of the main fire alarm office. Have you ever heard that? Yes. 
That's awesome. You know why? Because instead of waiting for you guys to pull up and say, give me a box yeah. four minutes later, you guys can save a life by getting more equipment to that damn scene and apparatus immediately. Or we can say, man, we're pulling a fucking plan. We see we, there's four people jumped out the window already yeah. and we get the ambulances rolling. Yeah. So now you take that on the police side. We have every, we have more cameras and, and shot spotters and everything else. And guess what? They don't allow dispatchers or call takers to look at the cameras. We don't have access to looking at them. Only certain individuals within our building can look at these cameras. And that's a problem because I'll tell you why. When we have person with gun calls, you know, um, I have seen when working in other sections of OMC of people who do have access, when a person with a gun call comes out and they're, they're looking right at this person who gave a great description of us, the caller that called in and said, hey, it's a male, he's this ethnicity, a yellow t-shirt on, a blue baseball cap, and red gym shoes with black shorts. He's standing on the north south, uh, northwest side of the street and he has a gun in his back waistband. And now we look at this pod camera and you see this gun and then now you see him holding it and flashing it. And now you, and me as a dispatcher, I can say, hey guys, I got him on a pod camera, be advised. He's got a gun in his hand now. He's walking eastbound now on the north side of the street. These officers love that because you're preparing them for what's to come mm -hmm. instead of just jumping out. You know, some of these people say, oh, the guy has a white T-shirt, blue, blue pants. It may be seven people out there who, who match that description. Absolutely. So listen, if we see this white this white T-shirt, black pants, now we may say, oh, the guy, yeah, he has that on, but what makes him different? He has a red baseball cap on now. Hey, no, it's the, it's the one standing right in front of the JJ's fish. You know, now officers can directly go to him and, and t tell him instead of jumping out on all of these guys, and the next thing you know, there's a lawsuit going on, yeah. you know, because of this and this and this. The officers don't know. Yeah. You know, but why wouldn't you? Well, I know you would. I'm just saying, why wouldn't they, you want to get all the information you can before you even put yourself in the situation? Exactly. So, so we didn't have those the day when Ella was killed. Okay. All I have is this very generic, uh, outdated map that's on my computer screen, and so I, it's like an overview. If you go to like Google Maps. You can see like the streets. Mm -hmm. That's all I had. Mm -hmm. That's all I had to work with. And I don't, I'm not a South Side. I don't know. So all I know is like 61 Street, 62, 63. And then we had Bell and whatever streets were, you know, east and west of those. And mm -hmm. that's all I had to work with. So mm -hmm. I just zoomed in on those blocks. And, I, and, and what I said is I brought my LAPD skills. You know, when I'd be chasing people, the moment my eyes or my partner's eyes were off that suspect and we would lose them, I would say, I would get on the radio and say, give me a perimeter setup. Give me a perimeter. I just lost a guy. He's running southbound through the houses, you know, two blocks in every direction. And we get these guys shut down, get that perimeter locked in, and guess what we do? We call freaking K-9 out there. We get a helicopter out there, and we catch these guys. Mm -hmm. We would catch them, you know. The helicopter's up there with whatever they have going on. They have, like, these heat, heat, sensors, heat sensors. And they'll say, yeah. hey, guys, uh, yeah, we, we, we got something in this backyard right here, blah, blah, blah. And then a K-9 officer pulls up, apprehension dog. Mm -hmm. And then you get a squad of four, and you guys go. You search it. We get the guy. We get the gun. And boom, they're gone. Mm -hmm. And so this is – L.A. used to be out of control. L.A. used to be how Chicago is now. Mm -hmm. But they had a, a good chief – to come by Chief Braddon, who I just met a week or so ago, and this guy didn't fucking play. Mm -hmm. He did, um, you know, uh, his just whole crime mindset of the broken windows theory. That's what he went based off of. Tell, tell, explain that broken windows theory is, you know, if you see a, a vacant house with with um, the windows are broken or the doors are open and they're not boarded up anymore, he'd address that. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, people walking and littering. He give their ass a citation. Mm -hmm. People jaywalking. He give their ass a citation. People on bikes without their little uh, placards or, or um, 
it, uh, if it's not registered. So he hit them for the small stuff. The small stuff. Okay. And see, people say, why are they hitting us for that? Let me tell you something, because now you know we're not playing out here. Now you know we're not playing. So when you, like I said, when you, like what I'm doing with Hill Chicago, we went out to clean yesterday. If you go out and clean a neighborhood, something so simple as that, you have people a little bit more pride to come out and do this and do that and maybe encourages others who live there. Man, why, these people just came and clean. Why are you throwing trash down? Yeah. It starts something up. And next thing you know, that kind of can shoo away. If, if you get something implemented, it can shoo away the big stuff that starts to happen, the crime, the big crime. Mm -hmm. And so he went there and established all of these different things. And next thing you know, the crime started going down because people knew LAPD's not playing. Okay. Before we get there, I, I want you to finish up your um, last, what, what you did to decompress. You said you went to 63rd and Bell yeah. after, the day after. Yeah. No, the day of, right after 3.30. Uh, right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I just drove by the scene and, it, dude, it was like... Everything I just heard in my head, it was not. It was like I had a dream and woke up, or a nightmare, I should say. Nothing was there. There was no tape. There was no <laughs> memorial. It was no people. No media was out there. It was done. Yeah. And I was like, what just happened, you know? Yeah. And so I drove uh, just throughout the city, and eventually um, I went home, and I couldn't go to sleep. And I think I went to sleep like 10 o'clock that morning, and then I woke up, and it was about 12, 50 50 <laughs> jumped to the shower real quick and had to work and started at 1 30 mm. and wound up breaking down in roll call um yeah and this is not you know me i'm not really a cry or anything but it hit me and you know i'm in the middle of roll call which is you know 100 plus people inside of there and i break down crying mm -hmm. and you know that's hard for a man period <laughs> mm -hmm. and you know you got people walking up hugging me and this and that and that was that but yeah I went right back upstairs. They put me uh, back on whatever zone, and several more ten ones happened. Officer Downs, and it's like, bro, you know this is crazy. So now I'm I'm worried about the officers I'm dealing with, yeah. and I have not processed at all what I just what went happened. through. So let me let me ask you this. Um, this kind of goes back to the being a first responder. Now in school, and I know this because I teach this because um, I teach students. We have what well, we had, what was called EMTD, so Emergency Medical Technician Dispatcher. Yeah. Is that still a thing? It's still a thing. Yes, it is still a thing. Um, it's mainly for uh, the EMS side of things. Okay. The EMTs can get EMD. Um, or if you're an EMT, so to be in Chicago, so there's two differences here. You can be on the fire side, you can be on the police side. In the dispatch. In dispatch. Okay. Police side does not need that because EMD is emergency medical dispatch. Mm -hmm. So you have to learn, you know, uh, advise with CPR and do this and do that, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, on the EMS side, they kind of need that because when they take calls from people, they say, hey, my grandmother just fell and she's unconscious now. Okay, would you like to start CPR? They'll count with you on the phone and tell you how to do everything. They mm -hmm. need that training. Mm -hmm. When you call 911 to speak to a police dispatcher, we're not doing anything medical wise. We'll transfer you to the fire side. Okay. So we don't get that training. Now, that kind of doesn't make sense to me just based on if you want your um, survivability to go up. If you have a police officer on yeah. scene, especially if he has a partner to watch what's going on around him, he can get a couple of rounds in on the chest. And, I mean, we're doing no-breath CPR, so wouldn't that be – I mean, I'm not saying police officers should be EMTs. They got enough stuff on their plates as is. But wouldn't that be beneficial? Brother. What I said to you a little while ago yes. about taking that damn vest <laughs> off yeah. and do CPR, and guess what? Yeah. Officers don't want to be EMTs, and guess what? Some of them are already in the EMTs. Yes. And, but I'll tell you one thing about them. Officers will do anything they can to save a life. Mm -hmm. So 
I'm telling you, when I throw these fire calls, if I did, if I dispatch say, hey, yeah, guys, um, there's a fire going on, fire's rolling to a, a, a two story building, police be clearing up quicker than you oh, know, yeah. and they be rolling. Now they told me the reason they do that because if they go get a whiff of smoke, they get a they get a badge <laughs> and a day off or something. So they said that's why the police you know always I mean? at our fires. Yeah, but um, in the way, yeah. <laughs> And I said they tried to write me up and say you're not supposed to give medical advice because I don't, you know, from them, we don't train you to do that. We yeah, don't have an EMT. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm an EMT, so I don't care, you know. And I, I don't care even if I was an EMT. Yeah. And I'm not saying one, two, three, four, five, but I said just take that vest off, breathe, do whatever you got to do, do compressions, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, and the guy actually says we started it already. You know, they, they're so good. they was already they were doing already doing, thing. you know, so the, I think the only thing. Well, and then it takes us a while to get there sometimes because I was going to say even putting them in the car and going on your own. That's a little shaky, but you're doing something other than doing nothing. And you yeah. want to get them to a appropriate medical facility. And then, like I said, it takes seconds count. Yeah. So by the time we get there, then you got to clear for us to get in. Then we got to bring the stuff yeah. off. So that's kind of a and then you're waiting situation. for the ambulance. Yeah, you guys. Well, no, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, the yeah. ambulance. Yeah. I ain't even talking about the fire companies. Yeah. I'm just talking about the straight ambulance yeah. when it gets there. And you know, you, and there's a shortage of ambulances now too. So that's a whole nother issue. That's you a know, whole nother. You issue. got ambulances. They've been saying that for years, and you have ambulances coming. 13, 14 minutes. You know, real quick, I know we got to wrap up whenever. No, I, we, we I, go I feel, Okay, we keep going, baby. <laughs> I had a call in the 19th district, which is way up in Boys Town. This is Lakeview. This is way up by Engine 55's area. Yep. Almost by the lake. Yeah. They. This was an unconscious person not breathing. Mm hmm they were so busy this day. And this was not like a holiday or some event going on. Mm -hmm. This was a weekday. Mm -hmm. They dispatched Ambulance 39, which is out of O'Hare Airport. All the way down. All the way down From there. all the way west. Yes. To all north the way east. west. Yes, northwest to come all the way back east. O'Hare Airport. Yeah. Okay. So I looked at my partner. They don't know about, you know, the fire stuff. But they're like, oh, my God, here you go with this fire stuff. I'm, I'm looking. This is not my call. You know, I'm just. Yeah. I said, how? That, this lady's unconscious. You know, it, it pisses me off. So, I, you know, I said, they're not going to make it. Somebody's going to clear up from another hospital and take it. Bullshit. I looked at that screen. 21 minutes later they just got on scene i've been there before i um i've had the pleasure of riding the ambulance on occasion and have went from one side of town to the other side of town. and you know who gets blamed the paramedics didn't come they didn't save my mom the firefighters came and they were just standing they were here. just standing we there. didn't we didn't want them to come they were supposed to bring the ambulance it goes right it goes down to the bottom person and the same thing happens with the police department we don't have a lot of officers out here or half of them they're detailed downtown sitting like lame ducks with their lights on you know protecting downtown they saturate the hell out of downtown but they're pulling units from the west side communities the north side communities as well because there's things that go on the north side as well oh, and, and, and the west and everywhere. south so how are you pulling units to take care of downtown they're sitting like nothing doing nothing and then now you only have instead of 10 patrol cars in, in a particular district now you have two mm -hmm. and now the same thing happens to me now i get person shot on the board person stabbed domestic with a female getting beaten and now it's a kidnapping in progress stronger in the car and they're sitting on my board and i can't dispatch them all i can do is keep reading and the three cards i have hey uh unit are you available no squad we're, we're helping out this call we're right doing here. this hey, we're doing this off. we're doing this yeah. so people now blame you know when i finally get a unit six seven sometimes ten hours later mm -hmm. they'll go to the call and officers, they don't see anyone. This is seven, six, whatever hours later. Then I call the person back, 
and then they curse me out. And you know what? You know, like some partners are like, yeah, why are they screaming at us? Well, I can't blame them. Uh, yeah, they have every right to. I can't yeah. blame them. But guess what? It comes back on dispatchers. You guys dispatch them so, you know, blah, and it goes back to the police officer when they finally show up. And then somebody is waiting and said, no, fuck you, blah, blah, blah. Y'all just want to come here. Y'all only come if it was this, if it was this, if it was yeah. these people, yeah. you know. And how would you feel every freaking call you're going to? People are treating you like that. And like I just said, Absolutely, and yes. like you just said, and we agree on this, I would do the same thing. Yeah. If someone pulled up, I'd be pissed. Yeah. I'd be livid, you know. But they, the, the community, and that's why I said education's key. When, the more you put this out there and you mm -hmm. let them know what the truth of what's going on mm -hmm. and exposing it, then they'll be educated and they'll know this is not the, the people that's on the, the, the boots on the ground. They're rolling. Yeah. But we don't have enough of them or we do have enough, but they're being reallocated and shipped off to a, a completely different area doing nothing. Well, that's kind of a thing that I always thought that they should have. Um, maybe not police wise because you don't want to give away your whole plan. But we have fire prevention Week fire prevention month, October, change of batteries, change. We need EMS prevention as well because all too often people don't know what they have in the health system. They don't know that a lot of stuff they have is um just a regular doctor's appointment and they need or they want to go to the ER for things. So just like you said, education. If you can know, hey, the reason this is happening is because of this. The reason there's no officers coming is because of that. The reason the fire truck is getting there before the ambulance is getting there is because of that. So, you know, I hate to bring politics into it, but I'm going to. These aldermen, there's 50 of them. They should have to do what I'm doing, period. They should have to dispatch? No. What's that? They should have to Clean come up, up there. That too. <laughs> they should have to come and sit whatever zone or district that they take care of or are supposed to take care of. They need to come and sit and monitor that zone for a full eight-hour shift on the busiest zone afternoons. I think that's a fantastic idea. And they, um, if, if, if they truly care, and I believe a lot of Ottoman do care about the areas. I truly do. Yeah, yeah. Now, I do too. A lot of them are doing shit. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them do care mm -hmm. when they look at that screen of what I have to see every day and say, wait, wh why no one going to this lady getting beat? Because now it's being realistic to them. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, there's no units over here. These units that would normally be here are over here. And this is the shit you guys approve. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so and these are the people you're supposed to take. So they need to do that. I also believe. Aldermen should be out there, just like what you just said. Talk. They should know every fire station within their area, every police station within their area. They should be at roll calls. They should be actively involved in getting ideas as to what. You just said an idea right now, and already I'm thinking, Hill, Chicago, man, we could, I could get the Black Fire Brigade uh, um, ambulance to come out here with their students to, to encourage EMT, you know, um, to, to get people. I can get Lifeline out here. I can get the fire department, get this and that. We could do this event. That all just went through my head in two minutes yeah. of one thing you just said. We need more prevention for EMS because our communities don't have it. But already my gears are going. Mm -hmm. And so I don't understand how you are making a hundred thirty plus thousand dollars as a part-time part job, job. <laughs> in, in the best job. It could be the best job brother to have yeah. to go out and do good for people every single well, day. Well, that's kind of what your job is. I mean, it's not being done. What? Yeah. I, I when I was um, down teaching at the fire Academy, I said, I'm going to buy a house in the worst ward, and I'm going to just run for alderman anywhere. And they're like, come to mine. Come to mine. Come to everybody. Like, come move in here and run for alderman there. Because we have um, one, two, three firemen 
And one guy was a police officer, and he switched over to fire. That's an alderman now. And, you know, they put out and do things. Um, we had this vaccine um, issue going on. So they're very vocal about that, and they're very vocal to the issues that we have specifically as firefighters. But I don't know if they have those ideas, like I said, with, with, with different things like that. But I think that's outstanding for an alderman to go and sit down there with you guys. And on the flip side, they need to put on a vest and go out there on a ride along with the officers one time a month. And they need to see the kind of off the, the kind of jobs officers are getting and what they have to deal with. Maybe they have a little bit more appreciation as to what they go through. Mm-hmm. But it's also setting a tone indirectly to the fucked up officers. Thank you. That's okay? what I was thinking of. Because this here's the thing. That's what I was thinking. I'm of. very, very, very supportive. And pro blue is what they say. Yeah. I love my police officers. I would do anything for them. Yep. But if I were out there as an alderman or something else, let me tell you something. I know that radio, it'll be on me at all times. While I'm in meetings, I'll be listening to my zone and my frequency. And the moment if I'm doing anything, you know, I have a driver or something, and we rolling out. Wait, there's a shots fired person shot over here on, you know, Concord Place in Bloomingdale. Boom, I'm rolling. And I'm going to be out there and I, you know, I'm right out there because it, you're, you're the leader of that area. And when police officers see, damn, this, this guy don't play, he know the codes, he know his beats, he know who working yeah. and, um, they're You'd going be a to a lot less likely to do stuff. This exactly. Yep. Exactly. Because like I said, a lot of these guys, not a, a lot of people, I shouldn't say these guys, a lot of people just don't know the respect and don't know how to treat people they like i mean even even fire ems i'm sure you've seen it on certain calls we go in the house mm-hmm. and it's a million o'clock at night and tired and did this about my 40th run yeah and you talking about your tooth hurt well why couldn't your tooth hurt another yeah. time and you just snap and you go off and everything else we get paid to be professional but after you get beat so many times that kind of doesn't work anymore and it doesn't but, help but, but you notice you know maybe on the ems side or you know a little bit more you know 454 attached me to uh 52's call the moment they hear that on the radio yep oh they, they straighten up period yep it don't matter if it's 2 30 in the morning yep they you straighten know, up and, and do what they supposed to you do. know and i'm not saying it has to happen to police but i'm saying more politicians need to get involved you know there is so much that we can do and and, and you can't correct everything right but people just want to see your active out there yeah. at least asking them questions and getting involved you know yesterday i did this big clean thing or whatever and this is not the only event i've done and i went out to this community who you know i was afraid of not gonna lie it's scary you know but i went out there and took a little bit of risk and it turned out to be a fantastic people from the community homeless people came and put my t-shirt on and said hill chicago by keith thornton and they were out there hustling man picking up trash doing this some of the the drug dealers i know they're drug dealers came out there and they were helping out they said hey we ain't, ain't going to wear your shirt, all right? We ain't going to put the shirt on. Uh, those, those police, they're going to sit at the end of the block because I don't want to talk. I don't want to on camera. I said, no. Okay, I'll help you because uh, I, I want to clean up the block, man. I want to do this, but you know, I just don't want to, you know. I don't wanna, they don't want to be identified by other people. Right. But guess what? They were still out there. And so those are people from the damn community that's there. So you could, you could do that as an alderman and get people involved. Let's... Um... Let's talk more about Hill Chicago. Let's hit Hill Chicago really hard because honestly, I mean, I don't know everything that goes on in the city, but 
I was off yesterday, and if I'd have known about that, I probably would have showed up. So tell us how we can find Heal Chicago, what we need to do to support Heal Chicago, how we can participate, all of that fun stuff. Yeah, so, you know, like I said, this we're in the very beginning stages of everything, but it's popping and it's dropping, you know. But go to my website, www.healchicago.com. Once again, that's www.heal, is H-E-A-L, Chicago, C-H-I-C-A-G-O, dot net. You know, net. that that website, you know, we're working on it right now. It, it, it's already up, but it's about to be even better now, you know. Um, eventually, we're going to have a donation icon there where you can donate to us. But the, the best way for me is not financially. It is just getting out there and just helping. It, you know, we have these events. We'll be posting them. Just get out there and help. Even even youth. I always incorporate youth. I have a director of, of youth services on my board, and and this guy is great. His name is Mike Mitchell. He's out there and he's actively getting youth involved. I have a director of uh, community services. Uh, she's reaching out to schools, and so we give these kids community service hours, mm-hmm. and um, they're they're knocking these hours out. That that's the requirement in in one year. You know, one semester, so they don't have to worry about that come graduation time. You know, we're getting older people involved. There's elderly people coming out. And I said, oh, no, don't worry about that. You you know, we don't want you walking. Oh, baby, I've been doing this for a while. You know, and she, she, she sit right there and she's signing people up. So these people want these different things. But if you want to get involved, we do all types of different things. And I bring my staff to my table. What do you guys want to do? This is all throughout Chicago. You can let me know what you want to do. Even if you go on my website, uh, www.hillchicago.net, you let me know, you know, a name, a contact number. If you know some issues, you see homeless folks somewhere, if you, you know, youth is going through this or we should have this, whatever. Whatever ideas you have throughout Chicago land, only in Chicago, hit me up and our staff is immediately on that within 24 hours and we will reach back out to you and we will bring you to the table and and hear what you have to say because your voice matters with us and all we want to do is to help you elevate your voice and get things done and accomplished in a positive way for your community because this is our city and we have got to take it back. That's that's no better statement can be said. Said I mean you kind of put me at a loss for words there, and I shouldn't be getting a, coming at a loss for words as a podcast host. But that that was awesome. Um, you just broke it down. You had it ready to go. I'm with that. Um, so HealChicago.net. That's where we want to go to. That's where we we're gonna see all your events and everything, and kind of keep up. Are there? And, and let me be very clear with Hill Chicago. This is for blacks. This is for uh, Latinos, whether you're Mexican, uh, Colombian, Puerto Rican, whatever, you know, this is for white people as well. You know, this is not excluding anyone. This is for a a big minority group that many don't even speak about, the Asian community, the Asian population within Mm -hmm. Chicago. Mm -hmm. You know, you guys are important as well. This is for people who are straight, gay, lesbian, Democrat or Republican. You know, I love people and my entire staff has that they're extinction of me, you know, and I've made that very clear. We're not here to judge anyone. You know, I don't care what you've been through. I don't care if you've been arrested before. We don't need to know all of that. What we need to know is if you want to come out and help and just volunteer, period, mm-hmm. point blank. You know, so this is not just something we're doing on the West Side or just for black people. Bullcrap. We are here. And as a people, we need to come together because at the end of the day, we all go through things as to who we are. And it's so segregated and so, so messed up, you know, but, you know, 
coming together, you know, we can really have a powerful voice and make some great differences in the city. It's already started, but you know, I need whomever that's want to want to come out, you know. And um, I just love you guys, and you know, reach out to me www.hillchicago.net. I guarantee you come out one time and just have one conversation with me or any of my staff members. You are going to want to be committed to being a part of this because it's awesome. I believe it and I agree with it. So I'm gonna go look on the website, see if what the next event is. I'm gonna make make it my best to show up and because like I said, I was off. I could have came and cleaned up, and I'm that's where my career started was on the west side. So I'm quite familiar with the west side. You know, some guy I spoke to, um, a fireman here in Chicago, and I don't know the specifics of this, but he he brought this up to me a couple of weeks ago. He goes, yeah, we're having a conversation. Yeah, this, the fire department has this program now where they're trying to get people on their off days to go and clean up the neighborhood and do this and do that. Um, do you, you Are you recall this? I'm not familiar with okay. that, no. Um, well, you can go do it. And I, I don't know if it's uh, voluntary or whatever, but he was all pissed off. And I said, well, what's what do you mean? Like, why are you mad? <laughs> and he says, well, are, are we just going to this neighborhood? And, you know, these fucking people are sitting on their porches just looking at us and we're cleaning up their shit. Like, I don't I don't I don't appreciate that. I don't like that. Like, I don't think we should be able to do that. Like, what the hell? You come over here and get the shovel yourself and do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to a certain extent, I get what he's saying. You know, but his whole tone and demeanor about coming about it, that's what I'm trying to say. A lot of people aren't educated. You know, not once yesterday did anyone do that when we went out there and did our thing. Mm -hmm. We have people walking up to us asking us, like, oh, who are you guys? Are you with the Audemars office? No, my name's Keith Thorne. This is my entire staff. All these people come from throughout the city, and we're just a regular group of people that want to come out. How long are you guys going to be out here? Oh, the, hey, let me go down to my church real quick, and I'm going to tell all the church people because we're getting out at this time, and maybe we can help out. Mm-hmm. You know, these aren't people who just staring at you and this and that. You know, you have people pulling over in their cars, traffic jams, because they want to know what was going on. You know, and so that's what I'm trying to say. You, we, people, we have got to come together, and it's it's very important to bring all races and ethnicities to the table. And, and de- whether you're Democrat, Republican, whatever the hell you are, it's very important to bring those people who are a little bit different from from us because we can teach and show them. That's how he learned. You know what I mean? Yeah, you don't learn nothing by sitting in the clothes. You house. know, and let me tell you something real quick. I really want to throw a shout out to 117 Station on the west side of Chicago, um, Tower 14 Station. You know, those guys back in the day, we had uh, the, that was district headquarters. It used to be two, two, four, and yep. and yep. all the deputies were there. Callahan, yep. <laughs> a lot of people that love Callahan. I love Callahan. You know why? Because this was a man. And let me tell you, all of them were, were, were white, Italian, Irish, and everything else. Lenny Spazzato is the one who brought me into that station. Mm-hmm. I wrote a letter to a million stations to the, to the uh, fire. Uh, I think it was Joyce back then. Wow, Fire Commissioner Joyce. Mm-hmm. And no one responded to me. And I think one lady from headquarters who was African-American, she sent me something. Um, she was like the assistant. And she sent me like some fire stickers or whatever, a patch. Yeah. And she said, well, we can't, you know, allow you to do this and do that. I said, okay. Well, Keith didn't stop. I kept sending letters to fire stations now. And Lenny Spazzata was the only guy who reached out to my parents and got me to start coming and volunteering. And then it turned into this thing where the district chief was there. Callahan was there. And <laughs> this guy who wound up being like, over the whole city as an inspector, write people up. But here's a guy and, and, and a lot of them who took the time to take a, a young poor black man or boy at the time into their arms, into their wings, and they truly taught me a lot of skills. Yep. Period. Yeah. And so I'm very clear as to saying racism exists with all of us. 
you know, but there's good and there's bad in all ethnicities, races, and everything else. Mm-hmm. But those guys at that station during that time period, they absolutely loved me, and they always promoted me and tried to elevate me. And then I wound up going to Truck 35, and then that crew was the same way even more. They're mm-hmm. like, we're going to put you through EMT school, Keith. I said, I, I want to be a fireman. They said, Keith, if, you, if you do yeah. this, do this. <laughs> they, they literally helped me get in EMT school. Mm-hmm. And so when I tell you, we have some good people out here, man. But I, they will tell you that, that they learned more from me as a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, teenage, going all the way up. They learned more from me than I did from them because they'd never really been exposed, you know, to a, a black person, you know, besides going to calls. Exactly. You yeah. know? So this is why we need the politicians of these areas to come up with programs with fire and police and different healthcare providers and different things within their area. Because even though we don't have all the money in the world to correct a ward, you know, there's different things that we can correct on our own, you know? So I just want to throw that out there. Just a shout out to that station, 4900 West uh, Chicago Avenue, great fire station. And um, I truly, truly believe they sculpted me into, you know, doing a lot that I'm doing now. And I appreciate that. That's a great house. Great bunch of guys. Um, like I said, I was in that battalion. I know them very well, and I'm sure they appreciate it, and hopefully they get to hear this and, you know, have nice things to say back. I'm sure they will. Um, like I said, I even got your name from somebody from um, Paramedic that used to be over there. So all, all good. It's all love. Um, Keith, thank you so, 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 so much for coming through. Um, your words and your just attention to detail, your enthusiasm for everything you speak about is just something that I really appreciate you bringing to the show. So um, is there anything that I should ask you that I didn't, anything that you want to address that we didn't get to? No, man. Um, Love Chicago. You know, it's a lot that we are going through within this city. But, you know, keep your heads up high, you know, and just keep moving. Take care of your families. Be safe out there. And um, we're all in this together, you know. Reach out to me, hillchicago.net, and um, tell me tell me what you want to do. Tell me how we can help you, how we can serve you, and we'll get together and make things happen. Thank you so, so much. It is an absolute honor to be here, you know, sitting aside from a first responder that's huge as, as a fireman, you know, um, and hearing part of your story. And then on top of that, you you when you're not out there saving lives and responding to calls, you're, you're doing something else, and you're putting not only your voice out here, but you're giving the platform to other first responders and other uh, minorities like myself who would otherwise not have that and so to you this may be small and this may be a hobby but this is something that you're doing you know to the people who are listening to to your fans and supporters you're you were educating them and this is amazing and you continue doing that because we need more people like you you know i'm out there doing what i'm doing in the streets you're doing what you're doing here and doing this and 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 we're all doing this together. We're all on the same team. You know, this is a part of my team right here, you know. So thank you very much. I really appreciate it, brother. Absolutely. With that being said, we're going to get out of here, and we'll check you out the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye. This has been a Fire and Iron Media production. If you have something to say, people want to listen. 